Hello, and welcome to the Count Thread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very happy to welcome you to today's episode. Our segments will include whips, FOs, brainstorming, and something extra. Just as a brief note before we jump into whips, you might be able to hear that I am recovering from being sick. I had COVID, and I'm going to do my best to cut out any sniffing or coughing, but this is just what my voice sounds like. In any case, let's talk about what I'm working on. So I have a new cast on that I've been talking about for the past couple episodes, and I've finally gotten it started. This is the sweater that I'm making for my mom, which is inspired by a Facebook ad she got for Shein, and I'm using the May Drop Tea pattern to... Uh, get kind of kickstart it. So this pattern is a bottom-up drop shoulder short sleeve tee with a bit of a v-neck and some color work around in like a kind of a wide band around the hem. I'm omitting the color work and just using it as a base for the shaping that I want for the body of the sweater. Then I'll be improvising some crochet creating squares with a mesh kind of connecting them into bell sleeves. So I just cast this on a day or two ago. Um, I didn't I didn't do a ton of knitting while I was sick. I just did not have the energy for it. Um, but I did in the past few days I have I have gotten a lot done. So I'm not super far into this yet. I'm starting out and this is another deviation from the pattern but I'm starting out with a two by two ribbed hem. I'm probably just gonna do an inch, an inch and a half. I just wanna make sure that the bottom doesn't roll. The yarn that I'm using for this project is Cascade Cotton Socks. I think the colorway is called black, uh, which is a little bit, it's been a little bit annoying um, in the kind of low light in my office, trying to keep track of my knits and pearls. I've had to tink back a bit a few times now uh, because I've been, you know, reading while knitting, which is usually fine but is tripping me up a little bit with the black yarn but that's proceeding once I finish the ribbing it's gonna be about 18 inches of stockinette before anything happens with the shaping up top so that'll be a bit of a long haul but my mom's birthday is at the end of next month so I'm gonna definitely need to put some serious time into this the other thing that I'm working on at the moment is the head sock by Amanda Steck this is a very basic 2x2 ribbed beanie that I'm making to use up some loops and thread wool like in Teal Lake. So I cast on the larger size, um, which may have been a mistake, but we'll see how it goes. I double and then probably triple, quadruple checked that I had cast on the right number of stitches, unlike the last hat I made, so that I can actually follow the nice decrease scheme that Amanda Steck so kindly figured out for me. So that is, um, again, less than an inch in. It has not been my main focus because I've been getting some other things finished and working on my mom's sweater, but that'll be kind of my carry around knitting if I end up going anywhere in the next few weeks, which I may not. (laughs) I'm really tired. I'm feeling much better, but oh, the fatigue stays with you. (laughs) So uh, that'll be my theoretical carry around knitting. And then finally for whips today, I wanted to give just a little bit of a shout out to my Calad shirt, which is a very nice pattern by Jessica Tsung that I chopped and screwed so much that I ended up hating it. I haven't touched it since we last spoke about it, but I've been thinking about touching it. So I'm giving it kind of an honorary mention here of I'm 
thinking about potentially frogging it and doing a different pattern that will maybe work better with this yarn, trying to decide if I need to completely repurpose the yarn and then kind of come back to my ambitions of a trans pride shirt with a completely different yarn that comes in colors that will make me happier. So nothing's decided yet, but I've been thinking about it. So, so we're going to count it for this week. But let's move right on into FOs because that's where all the excitement is this time. So first I finished the muscle burra that I was working on out of Patton's Croy FX in gray, brown, red, marle. I had talked about last episode that I wasn't sure if I was going to use up all the yarn. It was potentially going to end up weirdly long for how wide it was, and I wasn't quite sure how that was going to shake out. And I do have a bit of yarn left over, but I'm not too mad about that. The ball that I have left over is small enough that it's what I count as a scrap, so I'm kind of considering it used up successfully. Um, so all in all, very happy. Um, happy to have it done, though I, I was getting a little tired of it at the end, which is part of why I switched to a ribbed beanie, just for a little spice in my life. But nice hat into the charity pile, can't complain about that. My big exciting finish for this week, though, is my Kismet. So this is the top-down modified raglan colorwork sweater by Rachel Ilsley that I was knitting for the Yarniacs Colors of Fall knit along, and I am just so happy with how it turned out. I definitely played some pretty intense yarn chicken towards the end. As I talked about in the last episode, I had some kind of flaring going on where the color work stopped and transitioned into just one color plain stockinette because I didn't go down a needle size for that section. So I did some creative uh, frogging, re-knitting, and grafting back together of the body of the sweater. And that gave me a little bit of extra yarn to use for the second sleeve. And I kid you not, I had maybe two feet of yarn left when I was done. I was doing my bind off and getting a little sweaty, but luckily it all worked out and I'm just very happy with it. I'll put a couple pictures in the show notes of the steps of doing that whole taking apart and grafting back together on the body. The grafting itself I'm really happy with. I think it turned out pretty neatly. You really can't see the line, but at the end of it I had sort of what I knew was going to happen, um, just a bit like a kind of a hole at the end. At the end, once all of the stitches were joined together, the last stitch was not joined to the first stitch of the round, um, and I, the way that I that I ended up closing that hole is definitely not perfect, but it's not, you know, front and center or anything. It's off to one of the sides. And it's, again, one of those situations where I would not necessarily want to show it to an experienced knitter for a close inspection. This is not a uh, state fair kind of project, but in any other context, it looks totally fine. I'm really happy with how that turned out. And then I just need to take some nice uh, styled finished object pictures for the for the Yarniacs requirements for the knit along. And that's probably going to have to wait a little bit because it is so hot here that I really don't want to put on a whole fall outfit yet. But once I do, I will share that in the... 
I and I have a small FO that I think I actually finished before the last episode came out. So I had talked about in the brainstorming section last time that I wanted to make myself a sleep mask. And I ended up doing it that weekend, uh, which was really nice because while I was sick in bed for the whole next week, it was very helpful to have the sleep mask. So the pattern that I followed, I think was kind of meant, I think was kind of meant for a heavier weight of yarn. And, and I also saw in the, I think the comments on the blog post that some other people were thinking that it was coming out really tiny um, as written. So I ended up kind of improvising, kind of following along in the pat in the pattern that was established for the in- increases and decreases, but making it a bit bigger. Um, it's sort of a goofy shape. <laughs> you can see in the show notes if you'd like. It's a little pointy and angular, um, but it very much serves its purpose. It makes it darker so that I can sleep and that's all I need from it. So I just sewed some quarter inch elastic that I harvested from an, from an old pair of shorts, I think, a while back. So I just pulled some of that out and, to make the, the strap for it. So really quick project, fills a need. And then lastly, I have an FO that I did just today. I'm recording this on uh, Sunday evening. So this, this is maybe the freshest episode you'll get. Um, I was trying to wait for my voice to clear up a little bit more. But anyway, so this afternoon I finally took care of a problem that I've been kind of ignoring for at least six months, um, which was which was the storage for my fixed circular needles. I have quite a few fixed circulars because there was a long time when I was knitting before I got a set of interchangeables. Um, and so they just kind of piled up as they do in all the different sizes and lengths. And several years ago, I made a pretty simple needle roll for them. And I have one for my straight needles, which I don't have very many of, um, one for double pointed, one for my crochet hooks, and then I had one for the fixed circulars. And I don't know why I did it like this. I think I was looking at a tutorial or like some guidelines online, but I should have used some critical thinking skills and not just, you know, followed it rotely. But the way that it was set up, it had two sides of pockets that then folded to get folded over each other. And so when it's folded, all of the pockets were in the same orientation. All the needles were, you know, sitting in the bottom of the pocket. But the transition between open and closed, I mean, the the needles just slid everywhere. It was really not effective. Every time I got a needle out, I would end up with a little bit of a mess and then I would kind of shove them back in there and it just was not good. So I finally today decided that I was just gonna fix it. And what I ended up doing is I just cut it in half uh, and then sewed the two short ends together so that it's one really long strip of all the pockets in the same orientation and I pulled out a bit more fabric which is nominally the same color that I used the first time but is definitely not actually the same fabric and 
I made kind of a flap to fold down over it just to add a little bit extra security and I was feeling a little fancy so I sewed some random ribbon that I had along the length of the flap to use as labels for the sizes. So what I have now is a very long needle roll has 10 pockets uh, or two rows of 10 pockets really. It worked out really well with what I had. Um, so I have one size one, few size two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten and a half, and then I have one each of 13 and 15. So I put those in the same column. It's not, those aren't sizes that I use very often anyways, so it won't be an issue that they're a little bit um, enmeshed with, with each other. I did have a thought of like, oh, I should like embroider the size, you know, the number of each size onto the ribbon. And then I decided, no, I want to actually just be done with this today. And so I ended up doing it with a, a fine tip Sharpie. This is, um, you'll be able to see in the pictures, this is a functional project only. The fabric that I used um, for the outside of it originally is is a very weird fat quarter that I got out of my mom's basement a while back. Like it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it was a bit of a mess already. So the Sharpie really fits in well with the overall look, I think. Again, this is the, it's the theme of this segment. Not a super exciting or a super attractive project. It's useful, it does what it needs to do, and so I'm happy with it. All right, let's shift into brainstorming. This will be a quick one, because I do have, like I said, these couple of fresh projects that I'll need to spend some time on. But I'm getting the, I've been having an itch to crochet. I haven't, since I put aside my Khaled shirt, I have not been crocheting anything. Uh, and so I'm thinking that I wanna start my terrazzo afghan, which is a pattern by Tina Purodotir, and it's a pattern for mosaic crochet squares um, to be sewn together into an afghan, and I'm planning on using the kind of last vestiges of the acrylic section of my yarn collection for this project. So I have a kind of marled maroon and some black, and I'm just, I think I'm just going to make as many squares as I can out of it, and it's Probably not going to be the biggest afghan, but it'll easily, I'll be able to get to up to about lap size. By the time I'm recording the next episode, I might have started that, but it's sort of my, it's at the top of my queue at the moment, I would say. All right, let's move into something extra. So for this segment, I wanted to talk about some of the books that I've been reading recently. I've gotten into some real bangers lately that I want to kind of recommend and share with you. I'm scrolling through my story graph right now, which is an app and a website similar to Goodreads, but it's owned independently and it's, I really like the, the setup of it. So I'll go back to the beginning of August, I guess. Yeah, so I read The Root of Ice and Salt by Jose Luis Zarate um, and translated by David Bowles. This is a horror novella that was written in, in the 1990s, and it's basically a kind of fantastical queer retelling of the voyage of the Demeter from Dracula. So it's the private journal and public log entries from the captain who's kind of grappling with the fact that he sort of like attracted to everyone on his crew and very much can't act on any of it. 
And then also all of the Dracula things start happening and how he deals with that. And it was, it was really great. I was not, I didn't realize that it was going to be as, um, explicitly horny as it was, (laughs) but I thought that it captured kind of the psychological horror of it, of, of these events really well. So I, solid recommendation with just an asterisk that, you know, not necessarily for mixed company. Then the next thing I read was To Be or Not to Be, which is a Choosable Path Adventure by Ryan North. And this is a choose-your-own-adventure adaptation of Hamlet. You can play as Hamlet Ophelia or King Hamlet, and then there's some diversions in the middle. You can end up playing as Claudius for a little bit in, in some of the routes. And it was a ton of fun. I did kind of some... I did some sort of themed run-throughs, so trying to stick as closely to the original play as possible, which is actually really hard. <laughs> the author, um, it's very tongue-in-cheek, so the the narrator very often will be like, Hamlet, do you really want to do that? Because that's a bonkers thing to do. So it's, it's a little bit tricky to find the path through to sort of what happens in the play. Um, And it's definitely a lot more fun to play as Ophelia if she had, you know, more agency, more of a backbone kind of thing. There are a lot of different endings. I didn't, I didn't count, but there's a ton of different options. And each of the endings has an illustration by a different artist that is like kind of like a usually kind of cartoony portrayal of, you know, something horrible happening to Hamlet or whatever is appropriate. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And on a very different note, around the same time I was reading Babel and Arcane History, which is a fantasy historical fiction novel by R.F. Kuang. And I heard about this through the Lingthusiasm podcast. They did an episode talking about words and magic. And they, and they mentioned this book because the magic in the story revolves around translation and finding different pairs of words that, you know, work as translations for each other, but because of the nature of translation are not ever going to be exactly the same. And the magic comes from kind of the space between or the distortion between different languages. And I thought that that sounded very interesting. I, for a very long time, thought I was going to be a translator. I started a grad program for it. So I was really excited about kind of the translation theory aspects of it. But the main kind of plot of the story is centers around these young adults who have who were taken from their home countries which are various British colonies at the time and it deals with them being treated kind of as resources to be exploited their languages as as they've as the translation institute has used up the useful pairs in different, you know, Romance and Germanic languages, they, in order to keep making new magic, they need more pairs. And so they treat people from the colonies as resources in order to access their languages, basically. So it's not, the book isn't really about the, the translation kind of theory and application as much as it is about, uh, rebelling against the horrors of the empire and, and it was so compelling. I would not call this one a fun read, <laughs> like the last couple, but it's 
but it was really, really incredible. So I highly recommend that as well. Got a couple quick ones that I read because I was looking, I was trying to vet some books to recommend to my grandma to read about queer identities um, and especially like they, them pronouns. Because we've had, we've had a lot of really great conversations about it in the past couple of months, but I think she would definitely benefit from having some things written down that she can reference. If you've looked into this genre before, you might already know that it's really hard to find something that isn't super bogged down in queer theory and the nitty-gritty and would be very overwhelming to somebody who really doesn't have a great knowledge base or is so simplified as to be kind of useless. So it's really hard to thread that needle. So I read two of the books from the Quick and Easy Guides series. One of them is A Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns by Tristan Jimerson and Archie Bongiovanni. So both of these books, I'm assuming the whole series, are kind of graphic novels. And in this one, the two authors draw themselves in and they're kind of speaking directly to the reader and being like, hey, you know, this is this is what they them pronouns are. This is how they work. Here's some history. Here's some context. Here's, you know, how to treat people well. Um, to be honest, I didn't love this one. It felt a little bit too, it was too assertive for what I was looking for, which is not to say that the, you know, being assertive is not appropriate in this context. It's just not uh, what I was looking for to send to my grandmother. So, so I think it's definitely a good resource or could be a good resource depending on what you need, but didn't really work for what I was looking for. So I looked at a quick and easy guide to queer and trans identities next, which is by Maddie J or Maddie G and J.R. Zuckerberg. And this one is a little more cutesy. It's, it's being told by from the perspective of, of some snails who are learning about human queerness, basically. I thought it was a really good balance of kind of definitions and basic that basic information, some historical context, some modern context about things like coming out and using pronouns and those sort of things. Um, I think it's a little, it's still a little too much for what I'm looking for, but I'm thinking about ordering a copy of it for myself and kind of annotating it and marking the sections that I think are the most important so that I can then send that copy to my grandma and so it's not so it won't be quite so overwhelming hopefully and then I will just speak relatively briefly about the last few books um, especially in the past couple of weeks I've been reading a ton so they're pulling up a little bit but I read Villains Vignettes Volume 1 by Drew Hayes this is an author that I've been reading for since high school he published some books in, on his website in a like as serials so we would get you know two chapters a week or something and my brother and I would you know be watching the clock for the time he always posted and then read the chapter and then you know one of us would go into the other bedroom and be like oh my god can you believe what happened kind of thing so um, this author holds a very special place in my heart for that reason and he has a ton of different series and styles of books so this set of vignettes is part of his Villains Code series, which is about a guild of supervillains and kind of how they interact with the superheroes that are meant to counter them. And I think it's my favorite series that he's published. Um, so I was very excited to have 
these vignettes and my brother's been waiting since July I think for me for me to read them um, so that we could talk about them but it's a lot of fun I highly re recommend that series and pretty much everything he's ever written I've really enjoyed I'm also working my way through the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells uh, I read the first one at some point in July I think and then I just the other day finished number two which is called Artificial Condition, and this is my favorite very specific subgenre of sci-fi um, where it's an artificial intelligence negotiating how they want to think of themselves and how they want to interact with the organic beings around them and all that sort of negotiation of identity and of identity and personhood and stuff. Really good examples. Um, Becky Chambers has a couple of books that fit in this, um, the Imperial Roche books by Anne Leckie, and now Murderbot. They're really great. So I've only read the second one, so the, the first two so far, but I'm really enjoying them and very excited for my, hold, my holds on the rest of them to come up from the library. And the last book or set of books that I'll talk about are the Greenwing and Dart books. These this is a series by Victoria Goddard, and it's part of her larger Nine Worlds universe. I think, if not everything, then almost everything she's published fits into this one universe, but because of how she's set up the worlds, they can be like really different settings and even genres to a certain extent, which is super fun. So I've already read the Lays of the Hearthfire and the Red Company books, and now I'm working on Greenwing and Dart, which is a sort of late Regency, early Victorian-ish setting, but with magic. And it's very much about, you know, the like very classic kind of tropes of reputation and scandal and rumors and and all of the, the really interesting social dynamics around class and education and those sorts of things. But also there's magic and conspiracy and drama and it's it's super fun I was telling my siblings about um the third book we we had dinner right after I finished it um and I was trying to describe kind of what happens all the all of the things that happen to the main character and they were like wait what's like so stuff just happens to him he doesn't do anything and I'm like oh, no 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 this is all his backstory the actual I haven't even gotten into the actual plot just establishing you know the events of this guy's life sounds like the plot of a bunch of books and it's like oh no 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 that's the exposition for book one um yeah it's overall it's very charming and the way that victoria goddard kind of weaves the different series together there's you know little points of overlap between each one and kind of coming up on an event that i've read in one of the read about in the other books and being like, wait, is this when this happens? And it's it feels like a magic trick every time because it's always so compelling. You know, it never starts to feel like, oh, okay, we're reading about the curse and the bees. Okay. Like, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, it's time for the curse with the bees. Um, yeah. So I truly cannot re recommend Victoria Goddard's books enough. She's very quickly becoming one of my favorite authors. So I have talked your ear off about all of these books for plenty long enough. I think that segment might have been longer than the rest of the episode combined. My bad. Uh, so I'm going to cut things off here. And next time, 
we'll hope for a little bit more fiber content. But in any case, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a good one.